Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And then this, deep down the left field line, home run. Donaldson with a solo home run. And the Twins have hit three against Lopez this afternoon. And what a move by manager Rocco Baldelli to come out and defuse that situation, let Donaldson focus back in on what he's trying to do. And then the spark that he needed, Donaldson didn't miss it. (laughs) He tossed him. They just tossed Donaldson for kicking dirt on home plate as he crossed home plate. Such, just such a great job diffusing Rocco. Everyone's calm. Everyone's happy. <laughs> Donaldson just got tossed. Yeah, all right. Welcome in. It's Mackie and Judd, and uh, we're going to get it's Action Movie Rewind Friday on the show, and uh, it's also Judd's Five Keys to a Vikings Win. But every day since the season started, we've been breaking Twins games down like they are football games in depth. And today we're bringing a special guest on to help us do just that because the Twins play the Cubs on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN this week. And uh, so ESPN baseball analyst and play-by-play man Boog Shambi is here to break down one of the great ejections of all time of Josh Donaldson yesterday. What's going on, Boog? Oh, that was so good. It was so good. <laughs> so that- it, it was like a... It- it was like, uh, I wish he hadn't gone back. I wish he had done it a little bit more demonstratively and not gone back because it would have been just like the drive-by ejection. <laughs> so so here, it's, all right, I'm, now I'm like probably barking up John Boy's tree with my breakdown here, but here's what I think happened. So he had it planned that he was going to drag dirt over the plate. And, and then I think he didn't know if he touched home plate and realized, okay, I'm only like 50% sure I touched home plate, and now I've pissed off the umpire. So I, all right, I got to go back and touch home plate so I don't get ejected. Oh, but he's ejecting me while I'm doing it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring more dirt across home plate. It's also the reason why I'm I am very much pro uh, robot umpires and electronic strike zones. But if there's one thing that can get me off that take, it's what we saw yesterday, like just hitters being apoplectic at these bumbling umpires. So amazing. Well, the thing that's that shifted now in terms of ejections is that the only thing being argued now is balls and strikes. I mean, that's the root of pretty much every argument. Every once in a while, they're they're trying to understand why was that overturned or not overturned or a play on the field. But the but the the overwhelming amount of beefs on a field are ball strike related nowadays. Hey, Boogie, is that the most creative way that you have seen 
a player fined to get ejected? Oh, good question. I, um, off the, in recent memory, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, I would say it'd be right there at the top of the list. I mean, especially if we hit a home run. Yes. Like, you, hit a, like, you know, <laughs> I think that that's the part about it, right? What the, the Look, how about this? Just process it this way. When guys get ejected, the play has gone against them 99.9% of the time. It is really rare that you get home run, bleep you. You know what I mean? Like, you know. You don't get a lot of that, man. So I we we did find audio. We're, we're not going to play it here because it's like it's like seven minutes to sort of unpack. But on the Twins radio broadcast, our friends Corey Provis, who does the play by play, and then Dan Gladden, yep. who is the the salty, know. you know, Dan yeah, Gladden no, is I'm like familiar with them. And he, I know. yep. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like they they took the stances that you would think they would take, which is Corey immediately was like, "Well, you can't get tossed in a game." and this is going to come back to bite them, and it did. They lost by a run, and Adrianza gets the at-bat two innings later instead of Josh Donaldson. Uh, but Dan Gladden said, and I actually I actually agree with him, he said, you can't sit here and, and, like, and want these guys to be passionate and want these guys to come in and show emotion and fire and then get mad when they do. And so, I don't know, where do you stand on that? Like, it's very irresponsible to get tossed in a close game and you're playing for sort of a meaningless division title. But at the same time, we've had Twins fans in this town, Boog, for 15 years that complained that Joe Maurer never got into it with an umpire and, you know, never showed emotion. And now that the Twins have some players like this, Sergio Romo and Josh Donaldson, I don't know that you can complain too much. I, You can complain. I disagree. Okay. I, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go two things. The first thing is, just because you show emotion doesn't mean you shouldn't show control. You're allowed to have passion and be angry and still control yourself. You know, that was premeditated. And in the end, it's affecting wins and losses. The other point that I would make, I broadcasted for the Florida Marlins. They were the Florida Marlins then for eight years. And their corner infielders were Derek Lee and Mike Lowell. Do you remember those two guys? Oh, yeah. Guys? As a Cubs fan okay. in 2003, I do. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Um Mike Lowell's a helmet thrower, a snapper. Derek Lee is not. Derek Lee, I once asked him, how come you don't throw your helmet? How come you don't snap? He said, because when I think about it, the next thing I think about is that my mom's going to call me after the game and say, what is that childish performance going to do to enable you to play better? (laughs) And so, but my point is this. Mike didn't care more than Derek. Mike didn't care more than Derek. Joe Maurer cared. He just is wired differently. Just because you don't get thrown out doesn't mean you don't care. Craig Council, as a player, was pretty flatline in terms of the emotion that he showed. I mean, he fist-pumped twice. Once was scoring the winning run with a fly ball to tie the, the World Series and then scoring the winning run. Otherwise, I don't think he ever showed emotion. It's just the way... You know, guys are wired differently. So I don't think just because you want them to show emotion, it means you have to tolerate every repercussion with it. You could show emotion and not get thrown out would be my thought. That's true, yeah. Uh, Hey, as a guy who's seen a ton of games uh, during the course of this shortened year, Boog, tell me this. Is it 
my own personal bias or or to go back to balls and strikes, has that gotten even more sketchy as far as as good and bad games? I just it feels like the twins have had a slew of home plate umpires. I don't want to say that they have not had a clue, but some of them have been pretty bad. No, I, I, I wouldn't say that. I, the, the, the umpiring is not getting worse. Our ability to diagnose the umpiring is getting better. I mean, be clear on that. Mm-hmm. Umpiring is not getting worse. Our ability to diagnose it has gotten better. That box, that K zone, pretty closely simulates how they evaluate the umpires, and it is pretty close what the strike zone is so we have a very good idea in real time whether it's a ball or a strike it's a hard job the the stuff that these guys are dealing with by the way is here are two things the stuff these guys are dealing with in terms of the pitchers pitchers throw harder than ever before they throw fewer straight balls than ever before and then the other thing is if you can't frame you don't catch so effectively, every catcher is trying to trick the umpire, and nobody plays a catcher who's stinky at it anymore. So You're right. they're, all, they're all kind of being hoodwinked. God, I sound like a thousand years old. No, so, man. Get, um, get off my lawn, too. <laughs> that's right. But that's. That's my that's my take on it. Yeah, that's my take on it's it. Al- it's almost unfair, and because I, I mean, it's it's. Yeah. I would actually argue that the umpiring, the, the the calling of balls and strikes, is a lot better now than it was twenty or twenty five years ago. We've all seen the famous Eric Gregg clip. Speaking of the Marlins, you know, from nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, and and like he, it's literally a skit out of Naked Gun, right? He's like moonwalking behind home plate. <laughs> And and so the strike zones are tighter now, but because we're watching these games on cheap plug 65 inch TCL 4K Roku TVs um right. and and we're and we're watching it with these K zones these guys are really put and by the way there's probably more velocity and movement on a lot of these pitches than there was 25 years ago and it's just a more impossible Not job probably there is yeah Not probably there is the, the average fastball velocity in 12 years has gone up close to 3 miles an hour so and it's the average fastball velocity average has gone up close to three miles an hour and they throw less of them than ever before. Yeah. So everything is, is, you know, slider, splitter, change up, all that stuff. So yeah, it's, I mean, heck no, I know no one's going to have sympathy for the umpires. I, <laughs> I, Buga, I I'm going to give you uh, three sets of n- numbers here. And what your reaction, 43, 44, and 19. Those are the runs scored, the hits, and the home runs in a three-game series against the Blue Jays by the Yankees, who appear to be gotten on track. Yeah, they have. Uh, It's interesting because, you know, you're watching a Twins team. The Yankees' M.O. hasn't changed. The Twins has. Like, if you look at from a, a per-game run differential standpoint, the Twins are pretty similar to what they were last year, meaning you subtract their runs per game, you subtract their runs allowed per game from their runs per game. It's in that roughly, you know, one-two type range is the, is the difference. The only distinction is this year they're trying to do it by being much better at run prevention, last year they tried to do it by thumping people the way the Yankees have thumped people. So, um, 
you know, it remains to be seen which is the more reliable way to do it. I think he could do it in multiple ways. Well, we, I believe, as of yesterday, for sure, the Twins and the Yankees were set to play each other in the first round. I'd have to go look today, but it's it, it's sort of tracking that way. That's always gone well for the Twins, hasn't it? <laughs> and that's what I want to ask you. I've So I've taken the stance of, listen, like, the only way the story can end and, ha- and have it be satisfying is for the Twins to go through the Yankees, whether that's this year or in 20 years. Like I say, I say, bring it on. Let's just—it's like that scene from Tin Cup. Just keep giving me another ball. Um, right? How is it possible that Twins teams that have won ninety, ninety-five, and a hundred games going into all of these postseason series haven't won a game since two thousand four in the postseason, mostly against the Yankees? It's—it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's—it's, it's, but the small sample size is so antithetical to. To baseball, I mean, it's just sort of weird. So I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I, I'll tell you this much: it, that Yankee Twins thing is way more in the heads of you guys and people in the media and fans than it is in Miguel Sano's head or Mitch Garver's head or like Max Kepler's head. Like those guys aren't going to sleep. Like God, we can never beat the Yankee. Like they're not. <laughs> They're not. I swear. What are we talking about movies? What's happening on a movie Friday? Oh, this is good. Tell them, man. Yeah, so every Friday, uh, well, we started this during the pandemic pandemic when we were like, well, what are we going to talk about for like three months? And and now we just keep doing it. So we break down action movies every Friday on the show. And today it's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, if you've got takes on it. You know, it's funny. I... That's the one that I'm not as the first Indiana Jones I love, um, which is the Last Crusade, right? And then, uh, or no, that was uh, that was Raiders, Raiders, Raiders Raiders and the Lost Ark, and then the Last Crusade with Sean Connery. But that middle one with uh, Kate Capshaw and yeah, I'm I'm not really I'm not really in on that. Well, I'll give you let's we. We've done 23 of these. I'll give you I'll give you the the top 5 that we have rated based on our uh, average score and then I'll give you the bottom 5 okay. and you can just pick one. All right. All right, so the top 5, uh, Die Hard is the only one that we all rated a 10 across the board. John Wick, okay. Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger, The Fast uh-huh. and the Furious, the original one, The Expendables uh-huh. and Roadhouse, and then the ones at the bottom that we weren't as into uh Air Force One, Rambo Three, Wanted, and Bloodsport from the late '80s, which Phil loved, by the way. That's, that's, I'm shocked that you guys hated that movie, but that's fine. Uh, I thought The Expendables was a stink bomb. So, like that, oh. that, that, that group of movies, <laughs> I'm in on all of those. But The Expendables is, yeah, I mean, just like if you just. <clears throat> Terrible! No, that's a no. What do you mean? They got they basically got all the top action stars of our lives together and put them on. Yeah, it was okay. Eighty years, eighty years after their prime, (laughs) like like they should have called. It it should have been old guys with facelifts. Is what the name of that movie should have been. That would have been very good. (laughs) Hey, Boog, your your thoughts on Point Break? Love Point Break. Love Point Break. Talk about Point Break all day. I mean, yeah, that's right. No, I'm 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 totally totally in on on the on Point Break. Yeah, no, I, I I Johnny Utah might be a you know an alias I'll use at some point. It's a legend. Yeah. What one of the great Ohio State quarterbacks of all time? Let us not That's forget right. that. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Believe it. 
Believe it. Uh, by the way, earlier in this conversation, uh, Boog Shami gave Judd the good question nod. Yeah. So that actually brings the standings to I have 18 good questions on the year, and you have 17. Judd. Oh, I am closing so the gap. Wow. The it's, gap. A, it's a heated competition. I love this. <laughs> I, like, I like where your heads are at this morning. This is I am totally in on this. Okay. I like uh, The Twins <laughs> play the Cubs Sunday night baseball yes, this do. weekend. And uh, it'll be an empty Wrigley Field, but it'll it'll still be fun wow. to watch on ESPN. Uncle, fans, <laughs> give me some fans. Take me to the ballpark. I'm tired of calling games from my apartment and from <laughs> Bristol Studio. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we we appreciate your KBO work from earlier this year. Yeah, getting up at what two or something? Yeah, I would get up at two. I actually, I was back. Oh. I did the KBO. I did a, a cameo on the KBO this morning. But it, yeah, it was. Uh, I said it was like log rolling for three hours, and then like they throw some chainsaws at you, and you juggle the chainsaws. Sort of what, uh, what like. In the middle of the night, too, though, just hallucinating. Um, hey, That's we hallucinating totally. We appreciate. It. Next time, we'll bring you on uh, specifically for Action Movie Rewind Friday. You join us sometime; it'll be fun. The expendable stunk, everybody. Guys with facelifts, shooting guns. Terrible. Love it. Terrible. America. America. <laughs> yes. All right. See you, Boog. Thanks for coming on, man. Bye. Good questions, you guys. <laughs> Doesn't count anymore. All right. That's uh, Boog Shambi, ESPN baseball play-by-play man. So, okay, let's just let's unpack a couple more things from that Twins game. I want to go back to this Josh Donaldson thing for a second. And he and he made and Boog brought some good points up and I, I, I probably agree with him that it was it was a little over the top and unnecessary to get ejected in that situation. Yeah, it was childish. But in general, it did make me laugh. There's it did it like was, like it let's was not hilarious. on my couch. I was cackling. Okay, <laughs> so I was not outraged at that time. It was hilarious, but so I get it. Like ultimately, who knows if the Twins would have won the game or not? But when they're down by a run. And it's Adrianza coming around instead of Josh Donaldson. That's a problem, and you don't you don't want that to happen. Ideally, the Twins would play a a home uh, set of three games in the first round, and so it's it's less likely because they lost that game yesterday. But I can't get past the fact that for years and years and years, as the Twins got pummeled in the playoffs and underachieved once they got past September, People ripped Joe Maurer up and down for 15 years. People ripped this team up and down for years and years for just not, where's the heart? Where's the passion? Where's the fire, right? Yep. And then they bring in a Sergio Romo, and they bring in a Josh Donaldson. They've got got these red-ass players who are going to tee off on umpires once in a while. And in some ways, I just shrug my shoulders and say, "Well, I mean, I wouldn't. Ideally, he doesn't get tossed from that game, but I love, I love the fire. I love how good he is as a player. I love the home run in that spot. So I, I I'm sort of torn in that. I don't know how you can complain too much. This we've wanted this team to show more fire and show more emotion and show more passion for a long time. And so, can you be really picky and choosy with how that manifests? It was a the decision that he clearly made." Which you know, if you drag home, uh, dirt across home plate in front of an umpire that just made a bad strike call, it's going to get you tossed. He didn't make, which is ridiculous, by the way. He didn't make physical contact. I mean, come on, umpire, swallow your pride. It was a childish decision, but I struggle with the exact same thing. Is we always want fire until we see it, and then we're like, "But that's not what I wanted." Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you can't decide. I mean, Donaldson's a guy who basically almost got in a brawl with Glenn Perkins. 
because they were going back and forth about a long foul ball, okay? Like, yes. this is him. This is, <laughs> like, if, if you if you say he shouldn't have done it, okay, I buy it. You're probably right. If you say it's inexcusable, but it's him, it's part of the reason why on that December day or January day that he signed, you were excited. Uh, so I struggle big time there with that. I also struggle. So part of this, though, okay, part of this whole thing, back up two days, is a uniquely Minnesota sports fan take. And that is this. Don't forget, in the seventh or no, in the seventh, in the seventh inning, a couple nights ago, after Ryan Jeffers was called out on yet another bad strike call, because three of the four play dumps in this series were garbage, okay? Yes. Mm -hmm. From the bench, Nelson Cruz, the stoic one, got tossed. And nobody said a word. Okay, it's the same thing. Veteran players who you need, right? Like there, there is not a case where Nelson Cruz gets tossed, and, and you're like, oh, oh, no big deal. I w- the Twins got player X. No, he gets tossed. It's a big deal. All right, same exact thing. Now, now Donaldson's way of expressing it was different, and yes, was probably more childish. But Nelson Cruz said the magic words, so he's gone too. I didn't see a tweet. I didn't hear a fan. I didn't hear a thing saying he can't get tossed. That's really dumb. It's the exact same thing. It's just in it's it's literally splitting hairs of how you think a player should get tossed. Yeah, it's like if you if you get screwed on the call, it's okay to get tossed once in a while just to prove your point, right? But if you hit a home run, but it's Phil, not okay to get tossed. Phil Ryan Jeffers got screwed. Yeah. Not Nelson. He wasn't at the well, plate. He's in the dugout. All that again, I, ideally you have all of your best players and you've got somewhat level heads and like do I want to see that happen in a playoff game? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I would I would rip Josh Donaldson if this were a playoff game. Yeah. And so the counter to that is, well, these are important games. I mean, I heard, you know, Corey I love and respect Corey Provis, and he ranted for like 10 minutes on the Twins broadcast, if not more. We we caught sort of an edited clip of it uh yesterday. And and his point was these are crucial games, and I would say I don't know like how crucial are they? Are they well? Like, you want to finish in crucial? first place, and your chances up were obviously far better if you beat the White Sox. So yeah, yeah it, it's an important game in that context. I think you want to. I, I think first place doesn't matter as much as you want to. You want to play a, the three games at home if you're play, if you feel like you're going to play better at home. But if you're in first, you don't play the Yankees in the first round. I don't care. I want the Yankees in the 40, first round. 43, 44, 19, three game series. The last one is home runs, boys. But speaking, I don't want that. No, but that steam speak, smoke. Speaking of the Yankees, though. Yep. So for anyone who was upset about. Josh Donaldson yesterday, and like, how can you do that? You need to control yourself in that spot. All right, I would just throw one example out at you. Remember last year? It's about a year and change ago, probably like a year and two months ago, right around the All Star break, I think, when Aaron Boone walked out to the home plate umpire, got in his face. That was last summer, yeah. And said, tighten it up. Yeah. And he lit that guy up for like a full minute with expletives. Like, he got in that guy's face and made that umpire feel less than human. <laughs> It made me uncomfortable to watch because it was like like that poor umpire probably urinated himself. But Aaron Boone walked out there and said, my guys are savages in that box. We aren't going to stand for your incompetence. Call the balls and strikes the way they should be called so that my guys can operate the way that they need to operate at home plate. Mm-hmm. And Josh Donaldson was sort of doing that. It was a very alpha play. It was, hey, this is serious stuff. We're looking to win a World Series, and you are – not doing a good enough job 
behind the plate. So whether I hit a home run or not on that pitch, you need to know that we are savages in the box, just like the Yankees were last year. This is this is our game to win. Like that was what I felt from Josh Donaldson. So again, should he have gotten tossed? Probably not. But I love I love where it was coming from. I would have gone. So if that was the play, once he tossed me, I go crazy, and I don't care about COVID. I go absolutely nuts. I, I not freak sure out. Donaldson cares now, about COVID. Now, period. I don't think he does. Now the plate umpire Bolino should be in trouble because, and this was glorious. This is the one good thing about no fans. It was glorious that you could hear him say as Donaldson dragged the uh, uh, dirt across home plate, "Get the f out of here!" Yeah, get, out. get the f out. Get out, Josh. Okay. At that point, too, he's escalating, so he should be in, in trouble. Here's the other point about tonight. I got a. Bad feeling that this crew, Angel Hernandez's crew, is going to follow the Twins to the north side. Dan Bellino had the plate uh, yesterday afternoon, right? He's going to be at third base tonight if he is on that crew, which he is. So if that crew goes to the north side, it's going to be glorious to see Donaldson (laughs) and Bellino, who had a terrible game, side by side. So if you're Josh Donaldson, do you keep chirping him over there? It's Dan, right? Dan Bellino. Dan Bellino. And I, hey, I, Dan. Well, here's the thing. Rocco is going to think r- fast. R- Rocco is going to try to de-escalate as much as possible. I'm sure. But I, Josh Donaldson playing first base tonight for the yeah, Twins. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> he might DH and Cruz might be off. Who knows? Um, here's something else. And we should almost have a sounder for, for this by now because it happens so frequently. We put something together. The travails of Eddie Rosario. Can we just briefly talk about the fact that he popped up foul, but not by a lot, to the White Sox catcher, who when the White Sox catcher, on the border of being basically fair, foul, fortunately foul, the picture was Rosario's back walking towards the dugout. Did you see that? I I, I didn't see Rosario's reaction to it. Just just pop, I just saw like, the catcher bumble around. and The catcher, the so, so Rosario didn't watch it. He just turned and walked away. He's walking towards the dugout. Like, you can see his back. Number 20, Rosario, as McCann is dropping the baseball. Doesn't give a rip. It just never ends. Um, and one other thing, too, that we have to bring up on the on the positive front. Byron Buxton, two more home runs yesterday. 12 home runs in 34 games for Buxton so far this year. Should be 13, by the way, because Eli Jimenez didn't pick up the ball that should have been inside the park homer. Mm-hmm. Um, although you could argue that like that shouldn't have been an inside the park homer had he just picked the ball up initially, anyways. But, but twelve is damn good. He's got twelve homers. He's driven in twenty four. He's now uh, his batting average is at two seventy with a two seventy two on base percentage because he's only <laughs> walked once in one hundred fourteen plate appearances, which wow. that's kind of a problem. Like take a couple more pitches, buddy. But his strikeouts aren't nearly as bad as they were a couple years ago. His his strikeout rate has come down basically the last four years. And here's the thing. He is slugging now 622, which is higher than Nelson Cruz's slugging percentage. 622. And the best defensive center fielder in baseball. He's only drawn one walk. Yep, but he's hitting bombs. Oh, yeah, no. Catching fly balls. If he's staying healthy and hitting bombs and only getting on base at an Eddie Rosario 300 clip, like, are we all just cool with this? I'm cool with this. Like, if if he gets... You know, getting on base at a two seventy two clip is pretty pathetic. Yeah, but yeah. if most of your hits are going to be bombs anyways, whatever. I'd like to see him get on base more. I I don't need so it'd be ideal if he could get the the average, let's say, up to two seventy five or something. Well, it's at two seventy. So so, but I'm saying if he can He's hang hang there, that's fine. Uh, I'd like to see him get on base a little bit more. But yeah. you know what? 
Try a walk. Just try a walk once a he week. He is still, he remains, in my mind, one of the top five, if not three players to watch when he's healthy in the game. Mm-hmm. Just I to agree. watch him. And he is the most important, valuable player on this team, period. Just uh, with everything he does. I never need to see Williams Ostadio pinch hit for Ryan Jeffers or anyone else in the ninth ever again, Rocco. Thank you very much. He went up there. He swung at the first pitch, which he always likes to do, and he popped out. Yeah, take a pitch. Take a pitch. He can't. Oh, what's that in the background? Oh. Oh, he's showing up again? Oh, Judd's Keys. Judd's Keys is back for a second week. He came back? I thought after last week he'd be... thought he'd never show his face again. That was, yeah, I mean, embarrassing for everyone involved. We'll get to Judd's Keys to a Vikings victory. But before we get to Judd's Keys to a Vikings victory, remember, Vikings Vet Line is live on Score North Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. Right after the Vikings-Colts game is over this Sunday, we will be welcoming in fans live into the video, just like we did last week. If you'd like to be a participant... And hang out with us in the video chat and either complain about what happened or vent your joy, whatever it is. You can email vikingsventline at gmail.com for your chance to to hang out with us on Vikings Ventline. Again, twitter.com slash score north, facebook.com slash score north, and youtube.com slash purple daily podcast. What's that I hear? I can't hear any. Oh, let's fire it up. Hmm. Judd's keys to a Vikings victory over the Colts. How many keys did keys bring today? Uh, keys won very upset about last week, only brings four this week. Oh, wow. He said okay. five. He's trying to change things up. He's trying to change trying to the more karma. Efficient. More sure. efficient. Yeah, week. four. One for each quarter. <laughs> right, I'll let Declan fire up the keys uh, music here, and we'll start with key number one to hold, a Vikings win. On, I got it. Give, give me the, the damn Colts. thing. Are you already fighting with Keys? If we're going to do this, do it! I feel like Keys should move to, like, a tablet instead of the the paper notebook. It's 2020, Yeah, man. come on, Keys. Get with it. There's no Wi-Fi where Keys ordinarily hangs. Is he hanging with Randy in Cottage Grove? Let, let's just say Keys, Keys has a tablet, all right. <laughs> and he chisels on that tablet. All right, thank you. <clears throat> Let's hold on a second. Oh, God, you hack. We should get keys on Ventline. You are an absolute hack. This is just awful. Bad hack to buffoon. All right, uh, key number one. What's the rush? I'll tell you what the rush is. The rush is the fact that against Aaron Rodgers last week, and I think what you could consider a Packers def- or offensive line that's pretty good, you got no pressure, basically. The Colts' offensive line is better. Now, now... Rivers's, I realize this, and Keys does too. A guy who throws a lot of picks is prone to fumble. So certainly turnovers could be in play on Sunday. But nonetheless, this is not going to be simple. And getting to the quarterback is not going to be simple. And you had seven pressures on Rodgers on Sunday on 44 dropbacks. So the rush is, I don't care who it is. You know, Hunter's still out. is going to play. I don't know... What way, shape, or form you plan to get pressure, but the rush is you better get pressure on Rivers and the Colts or else they are going to, on the road, beat you badly. I mean, it's it's really on Ngakwe. Like, Ngakwe, Ngakwe is like the only real established rusher here. With yeah, Neil but what Hunter if they out. focus on him? Somebody else has to be able to pick that up, right? Yeah, and you a know what? Odenabo had, what, eight, seven, eight sacks last year, yeah. so uh, in... I, 
I don't. I just don't think he's an every down guy. So I think you might be able to see him, you know, get some third down pressure. He's not very good against the run. But um, yeah, it was it was concerning to see just in retrospect how many blitzes the Vikings actually did implement against the Packers and how many actually worked. So the one saving grace though is he is my guy, Philip Rivers. But there's a good chance that he's not going to dissect you in this game like Aaron Rodgers did. It might be that you don't get, maybe you get the same amount of pressure, which is virtually none. And Philip Rivers might still throw two interceptions that help change the game. Like that's you're kind of you're kind of back to those Vikings defenses from like the Mike Tice era where you're just like praying for an interception. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so all right, that's key number one. Key number two. Oh, hold on a second. Jets yeah. keys to a all Vikings right. Win. You don't have to give them to me one by one. All right, key number two. Start cooking. Yeah, uh, Dalvin Cook. You signed uh, Dalvin Cook to that big contract on Saturday, and on Sunday you used him, but you kind of use him more, and you've got to use him efficiently in different ways. And by that, I, I go back to, I think one of the absolute key uh, stats of the week last week, wow. <laughs> Dalvin Cook, two targets, one catch, minus two yards. Not acceptable. Yeah. Dalvin Cook has to be handed the ball, thrown the ball, and you know what? Also, fourth and three, use him. Um, you're basically backed up on the goal line. You decide to have Cousins drop back and throw a pass. Dump it off. Dalvin Cook. Do so it, so it, it's it's not just the stats. It's the usage. I mean, Dal, Dalvin Cook has signed a contract that gives you license to use him as much as, as possible, too. And do not tell me about wear and tear. Because that position is not one where where you say, well, it's a long-term contract, so in three years we're going to do this because we didn't no. do this today. Oh, no. You use this up as much as you can quickly, and you pay him that cash right now, and that's fine. But if you're going to sign Cook to the contract that you did, the use of Dalvin Cook has to be has to border on excessive. Well, you used the word license. You said the Vikings have a license to use Dalvin Cook as much as, as they want. Now that hey he's under contract, you guys are married now, so like yeah. go. I would actually I wouldn't use the word license. I would use obligation at this point. Okay, you are obligated to make sure. I would almost I would it didn't work well fifteen years ago, but I would almost go back to the ratio concept, the Randy ratio that Mike Tice came up with. Right, we need Mike, we need Randy to touch the ball. Just don't admit it. A certain amount of times. <laughs> that was probably the mistake. And so he basically said, like, yeah, we, uh, you know, X percentage of the plays need to go to Randy Moss because yes. he's awesome. And I almost think you need something similar with Dalvin Cook where you, you can't get to the end of a game and look down at your, your play chart and your snap counts and see that, oh, Dalvin Cook only touched the ball 13 times in this game. Well, two things, okay? Mm-hmm. Number one, he should always touch the ball more than 13 times. If we all, if if he's the great player that we all believe that he is, and the great player that you thought he was, to pay him twelve and a half million dollars a year, mm-hmm. and if he's not the player that gets more touches when the game flow is such that you are losing, then why would you pay him twelve and a half million dollars? Like, the if, answer is you if he's a guy that, like, if you're losing, you just don't use him anymore. I know that they didn't play that many snaps, so that's part no, of it too. No, but Phil, fourth and three, he has to be a primary option there, not Tajay Sharp. Well, behind Tajay Sharp, though. <laughs> he, I just, I just love, I love this line. Well, Zim's line. Well, Coop said, "Can I take a shot?" And I said, "Sure." And then, and then Zim blames Cousins by saying he didn't look at Thielen. It's like you didn't need to take a shot there. Yeah. You signed Dalvin Cook. 
Use him. He's good. He's efficient. Key number three. Judd's keys to a Vikings win. I see what you did here, Keys. All right, for the first time, I'm going to say this, and Vikings fans can rejoice instead of cringe. The roads are open. Key number three, Xavier Rhodes is now in a Colts jersey, and Xavier Rhodes is as cooked today as he was throughout the 2019 season. Nothing has changed other than he's with a different team, which he should be, but he's still trying to play the same style that, by the way, in 2016 and 17 was really fun to watch, a Pro Bowl, maybe a top five to eight cornerback in the entire National Football League. One of, that at that time, one of the best Vikings cornerbacks that certainly in recent history we have ever seen, that guy now is absolutely cooked. And if Kirk Cousins does not pick him apart on Sunday, shame on Kirk Cousins, shame on Gary Kubiak. The roads are open, and in this case, that could be a key to victory. Yeah, he was uh, on a 1-100 to scale, according to Pro Football Focus last week. His coverage grade was a 39 against Gardner Minshew and company. You know, I will, to his credit, he actually, even through the coverage struggles the last few years, he has been great at tackling and in the run game. So just don't just don't run in his direction. Well, I guess if you do, you're you're five yards past the line of scrimmage sometimes, anyways. But definitely target him if you are Kirk Cousins. I would actually look to get Adam Thielen one on one with him as many times as possible. Oh, you can? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It'll be a mismatch. Yeah. And key number four, the final, the final key to one, a Vikings win. The final one. This is hackneyed at best, but that's okay. Glad to see ya. Jeff Gladney. <laughs> I like that one. Played nine <laughs> snaps on Sunday. Now, now, because of circumstance, Cam Dantzler through Wednesday and Thursday did not practice because of a rib injury. And when you miss those two practices, which are the absolute key practices for the week, no pun intended again, I am guessing that Cameron Dantzler is not going to play on Sunday. Jeff Gladney, the Vikings' first-round pick. Now, I think he didn't play a lot against the Packers because despite the fact he wasn't listed last week on the injury report, has a knee problem going back to the springtime. But nonetheless, he's going to have to play. He is your first-round pick. And you know you know what, gentlemen? If you're going to take your lumps, which at cornerback they just are. Like, I don't see a way around that. If you're going to take your lumps, take your lumps with the guys that ultimately a year from now or two are probably going to be key players and Gladney better be. So, Jeff Gladney, glad to see you. We should see a lot of you on Sunday. It might not always be pretty. But it needs to be the starting point for really the transformation of that defensive backfield with who the cornerbacks are going to be. Yep, I think uh, the quicker you can get your first round draft pick, your your top highest, most touted cornerbacks up to speed, Mike Hughes included, uh, the better off you're going to be. I just think you know there's a lot of consternation about the secondary right now, the, the cornerback spot for the Vikings, and like right now that is the case, and it was terrible last week, and now Cam Danfler has got the ribs, but. I actually think this is looking up for 2021. I said that on Purple Daily with, yeah. with Courtney, too. Like, yep. it's hard to swallow now. You're watching these guys get carved up. But I think between you just need out of Holton Hill, Mike Hughes, Cam Dantzler, and Jeff Gladney, you really just need two of them to be awesome. And you can kind of find, if you need to find a third guy in free agency, now the best case is that three or four of them are awesome and not getting paid a lot. And now you're in a really good spot. But you're going to really have to they take the year to them. figure that out. You're going to have to take they the year develop. to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So, all right, those are Judd's keys. Thanks, Keys. See, See you next week. To a Vikings victory. Keys Stay clean, is, okay? Uh, he's passed his contract dispute, and he is he is yeah, here but he's, yeah, in the 2020. Prob- the problem is he's getting paid again now, and that always worries me about Keys. That, he, pay, that paycheck. Uh, is it. Keys getting tested for COVID every day? Or drug testing? I don't want to talk about it. Okay.
Let's just say when it comes to keys, November 3rd concerns me. <laughs> keys is sweating the election. Um, that's a wrap on uh, on Judd's keys to a Vikings victory and action movie rewind is peeking its head around the corner right now. Who are you? Ah! Ah! Wow! Holy smoke! Crash landing! Short round. Step on it. Okie dokie, Dr. Joe's home on your potatoes. Try not loud. There's a kid driving the car. <laughs> And movie reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Nothing shocks me. I'm a scientist. So as a scientist, you do a lot of research? Always. And what sort of research would you do on me? Nocturnal activities. You mean like what sort of cream I put on my face at night? What position I like to sleep in? Mating customs. Love rituals? Primitive sexual practices. So you're an authority in that area? Years of field work. Bali Magdi Kalima. Kalima Shakti De. Kalima Shakti De. Bali Chalao Dere Age. Sweet God. Welcome in to Action Movie Rewind, the 24th installment, if my math is right, wow. every Friday on this show. And we have uh, made our way to the first Indiana Jones movie of the Action Movie Rewind segment. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom from 1984. I'll read the summary, set up a couple facts, and then we'll throw it around the room for probably an all-too-in-depth discussion. All right. In the second of the Indiana Jones epics, the first one was uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. This one is set a year or so before the events in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Indiana Jones needs to retrieve a precious gem and several kidnapped kidnapped young boys on behalf of a remote East Indian village. This time he teams up with a nightclub singer, Willie, and a 12-year-old boy, Short Round, to accomplish his mission. 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. A $28 million budget turned into $333 million at the box office, starring Harrison Ford right in the middle of his Star Wars success. Oh, yeah. And Kate Capshaw. Mm. Let's start with Judd. Your uh, your thoughts and things that stood out the most about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, I have, That's such a roundabout question of a film that I have so many thoughts about <laughs> and so many... So many observations, and I've spent two days now because my my film work, you know, with most it's football. With with me, it's our uh, our movies. My film work has involved the Wednesday watch, so I can absorb through Thursday. Wow! And then come in and talk about it with sort of a clear mind. Interesting. On Friday, and um, let's see here. Okay, number one, this film itself is a film I would never watch. Ever, ever, ever. It just goes against. Like, like <laughs> it's. Wait, wait, wait. It's wait. Indiana yes. Jones. I, yes. I don't care. The the Bond franchise borders on a Zolgad. Eh, take it or leave it. But ultimately, I watched that and I was like, okay, I, I sort of get this. Like, I could watch this. I didn't love it, but I certainly didn't say, I would turn this off. Personally, 
Okay, so hear me out here. I'm not. I I am not ripping the, this film because I think a lot of people liked it, and I totally get it. Personally, Judd Zolgad halfway through would have turned this film off or flipped away. <laughs> God. God bless you. But God but, but, but you. I want to be clear here. But, what, what, what was but the wait, part wait, where you were like, wait, right, I'm out on this? Wait, I want to be clear because the first film that you forced us to watch, which was what film? With, with Bloods, Bloodsport. Bloodsport. Okay, that was just. It was funny, but it was just crap. Okay, this was not crap. Um, one, one is two parts. One is I would have turned this off in 84, but appreciated the special effects until I did Mm -hmm. the special effects, the special effects. Now the special effects now in 2000 made me giggle and chuckle and laugh, but my God, and it's been a long time. How far have we come when it comes to they, I can't tell you how many scenes I counted action scenes. Where they literally put the actors in front of a green screen, yes, and they run the and they run the action behind them, and you can see it's a green screen basically because there's nothing where I'm like, oh, you know what, that sort of looks, I get, I get that one. They're like being absorbed by the green screen, like people on, on yes. Zoom calls. It's like they had to say, Harrison, you can't wear that blue shirt today, buddy. It ain't gonna work. So that's that's my first thought here. Just to be clear, though, but but I do want to, but I do want to articulate. That if you enjoy this film, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just totally not my type of film. Well, but what was the point in the movie where you were like, all right, I'm good. Like, if I wasn't oh, doing this for um, for the for the masses of Yeah, Mackie exactly right. Exactly right. I can answer that in a heartbeat. <laughs> it was during the course of the time where they're in the, the caves of the... Where they go to stay. So after they got captured or, or as they're, no, like, doing the, the weird dinner? As Yes, the dinner. I would have... I It was gross... But that's not why I would personally tuned out. Mm-hmm. As the dinner was going on, I'm like, I know, I sort of know where this is going, and it runs completely against what I enjoy. <laughs> we'll do a deep dive into the food too, by the way. So but hold but that, yeah, hold but, but I'm not later. saying I'm not saying that, that my cause to tune out would have been based on the fact that that was gross, which it was. But that's fine. It was based on the fact that I just knew at that point in time. This is as far from a film that I enjoy as you could possibly get. So this is also, you know, this technically this movie, like Commando is an action movie. Yes. This is an action adventure movie. So they so they weave in tons of plot lines and things. And yes. like the last 40 minutes are like straight action because he's running around and they're going through the waters coming out of the cave. And then they're like on the bridge and all this stuff. Um, there's also some great kills in this movie. Oh, yeah. Which we'll get to. Yes. But Declan, what 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 are your main takeaways from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Uh, and just this is also Judd's first ever watching yeah. of an Indiana Jones movie. So it's been a while since I've seen this one. I, I've similar to when we had Boog Shambi on to open the show. I've seen the first. I've seen the third. I love both of those, and I've even seen the reboot they did with a the Shia Crystal LaBeouf. Skull or something. Yeah, like yeah. like twelve, ten or twelve years ago. I've really? even seen that. I didn't. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I actually didn't mind it. It was okay. So it's Temple of Doom is the one I'm actually the least familiar with, and. I, I yeah, I was not a fan. I am with Judd <laughs> no. that I would have turned off this film if I was not required <laughs> to come in and review it. Um, it I don't do voodoo. Let me just make yeah. that very clear. Amen, brother. Voodoo legitimately scares the belief out of me. <laughs> it bores me. It, it's terrifying. No, it, it, it just not, bores it me. Bore me. Like I think it's I'm actually it. real. Like it, I, I'm I'm legitimately scared of voodoo. So I I, I was very off. I was very off putting watching that. Um, yes, there is some phenomenal kills at the end. I will say during the last 35 minutes, that guy with the turban who gets like, uh, crushed underneath that roller, 
all the alligators at the bottom of that pit with those guys hitting the rocks. But it's like, so phony looking. But it, but like they just threw clothes down there. It's so was, phony. He's got a bunch of close up shots of alligators rolling around yeah. with like yeah like prop clothing. Yes. And I love how they're just like <laughs> they're rolling around in the water. They're not even eating people. They're just like right. oh it's just alligators living. Oh. Like that's what it is. Mother, um, and quick, scholar, um, Dex, there's no blood. Yeah, there isn't a lot of blood. So, like, no, they're no eating blood. people, and they don't put blood in the water to sell the kills. Right. So, I need to know more about, like, how they produced. They probably had, like, shoot, we need the, we need the alligator scene. We only have, like, ten minutes at the zoo to, to like, film. <laughs> All right. Uh, what can we do? What will they let us do? So, I, I would say the good part is there were some satisfactory kills. I did enjoy that. But, in general, it, it was hard to get through it. It was okay. really difficult for me to get through. So this, I remember watching this movie a bunch. It was on TV all the time when I was a kid in like the early '90s. And I remember, as as a kid, I remember it being like one of my favorite easy watches. And just, I, I will also say that as a kid, this movie provided one of my most like terrifying yeah. uh, moments, like like movie moments to watch. It's scary. Where he's where they're doing the it's called like the the thuggy ceremony where Molaram is like the overlord of these zombie uh I don't know what you would call them just like troopers or yeah, something. They're weird. And he reaches in and pulls that dude's beating heart out of his chest and then they burn the guy alive and like but I the don't guy even doesn't know how, die. How he's still alive is like, weird. Why does he not die when they pull the heart out? I'm confused. I don't know. And Indiana Jones makes me. the comment too. He's like he's still alive. It's like, "Well, you're going to burn him anyway." It's like why does he have to pull his heart out of his chest? I think they wanted him to still be alive so that you could get the sense of like how terrifying it is to go down and get burned alive. But then why do you pull his heart out? But did they need didn't they need the heart for something? Like I thought I thought I took it as like the heart didn't become one of the stones or something. Oh. Oh, is that what I, it is? I thought the heart played an integral part to like the getting oh, the no. stones. I so, thought so that I thought, that's I thought they, what it was. I thought they stole the stones. Oh, do they steal the stones? I well, they that's what they were trying to get them back. Well, they stole one of the stones from the East Indian village, and that, right. that was the beginning part where, um, where so Indiana Jones and Willie and Short Round, the whole, it's funny because- we, we got to get to Short Round, yeah. by the right. way. So the whole beginning, there's the beginning sequence where it's this it's this nightclub, and you've got the, uh, I believe it's Lao Che is the guy's name, who is the uh, Shanghai crime boss. Yes. And so they're going to do this exchange where Indiana Jones gets a diamond and the Shanghai crime boss gets the ashes of some emperor and they're going to do the switch. Mm -hmm. But Lao Che pulls a pulls a 180 and says, actually, I'm going to keep both of these things and you can just have the antidote if you want it. If you. Yes, sir. Yes. And so they, they wind up poisoning Indy's drink. But the funniest part about this movie and I read about some of the production is that. They they had that opening sequence written for Raiders of the Lost Ark three years before, but they like didn't have room for it. Mm-hmm. So they basically just said, well, "We should still totally do that," and then find a way to like get into the actual plot of Temple of Doom. And the by beginning the way, scene had nothing to do with the the rest of the movie. The beginning scene actually intrigued me, and I thought during it, I might like this. But they but it was it was like its own mini movie. No, but that's my point. And then they wind but like, up in once India. it really started. It's like no, this is not me. Yes. But like that first scene, I didn't love it, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was. And, if, and then they crash and go through the whole thing and I'm like, oh, "Okay." And if the movie honestly like I so I like this movie. This is a good movie. I mean, it's 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 an easy watch. And I think if the movie had been more about, "Oh, he's now he's got to go get the diamonds back or whatever from this Shanghai crime syndicate." I think that would have been a good movie. 
I mean, and instead right. they, they pivoted to this other thing. Can, can I debate you, though? I don't think that e- Easy Watch is accurate because once they start yeah. what you're talking about as the real film, the moving parts of, like, why they would go into this village that they basically crashed by yes. and then go try and get all of the – and then try and free people and get the diamonds back – it got to me where I, I actually went online to look up the plot at one point okay. to try and figure out what they were doing. Now, now if I'm on my couch and I don't care, then that's fine. But like, since we're professional I movie try, reviewers, no, here, I try though. and follow. No, I, I honestly try and follow the the plot as yeah. it's ongoing for the purpose of this production. So the main plot can so be summed up as... So I got confused by it after a while. So they wind up, they escape the nightclub, they've got the diamond, they've got the the antidote so that Indiana Jones doesn't die of poison, and they get on this plane thinking, so long, suckers, we got away, and then the plane door shuts and it says, Lao Che. Yeah, I, I know. I did. Right. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and so, they, so the pilots <laughs> the pilots wait for Indiana Jones and, and his friends to fall asleep, and then they, they peace out, and then Indy has to like... Come up with a plan to not die in a plane crash. Which, by the way, like if you jump out of that plane with a massive raft, you're all dead. Yeah, just so we're clear. Oh, and, <laughs> and the raft <laughs> holds them the whole time. Right. So oh. you're, you're all dead for sure. And also, explain this one. <laughs> so they they jump to your point in the raft and somehow all survive the fall. And the raft like is a parachute, which I don't get. But furthermore. The plane, so p- part of the plan for the pilots who bailed was that they dumped the fuel, right? Yep. When the plane crashes into the side of the mountain, it blows up as if it's full of fuel. Would it, would it, I don't know how the plane th- crashes. Would it blow up even without fuel just because of the impact? I don't think it would have blown up as much as it blew up. Mm. I think it would have just crashed and sort of just boom, gone. Mm. But I think the fuel is what causes great explosions in plane crashes. So I think the I think they didn't really need to have the plane blow up so impressively, okay. considering I think it was out of fuel. So they get down on this raft and they realize that they're in India, and so so the the connection is that okay, well we'll follow this guy up to the village because we just went through this traumatic experience. We're hungry. We'd like some shelter because we're on a freaking raft. And the and the people in the Indian village explain we've had our children kidnapped. Our sacred stone has been stolen. And we think that you, Indiana Jones, have been sent by our god Shiva to save us. Yep. And instead of saying, oh, nope, that's, uh, that's not us. That's not us. I'll be seeing you later. Bye. <laughs> they said, all right, well, I guess uh, we can go investigate this. And, and so they go investigate the palace. And as they keep peeling back the layers, they keep getting deeper and deeper. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the, uh, the plot hook. Um, I want to talk about the death scenes. This isn't your ordinary, like, shoot em up action movie. Where, like, you watch Commando and it's just like 200 people getting killed with machine gun fire, right? This was, this was a very creative killing movie. And oh, yeah. that you had a guy at the beginning, you had a guy getting Indiana Jones takes the flaming meat skewer and throws it through his chest, mm-hmm. kills that. him that way. Love mm-hmm. that. It's a very creative one. Mm-hmm. You had the guy getting his heart ripped out of his chest and burned alive as part of a sacrifice. You had, as Declan mentioned, uh, the jacked up. Guard guy getting smashed by the rock crusher and then the oh, blood streak with coming the blood up. on the thing. <laughs> yeah, and then you also had several people getting eaten by alligators in this movie. So I would say, even though this is kind of a supposed to be kind of like a family adventure, like it's it's pretty dark and there's a lot of really Did you gruesome see the thing about that on Wikipedia about that point. Should we read that real quick? PG thirteen. Right. So this movie was pretty dark, and yes. there's an explanation for why. So Steven Spielberg. Later recalled that when this is a Steven Spielberg, George Lucas masterminded plans. So think about like 
the gigantic Think about the firepower there financially. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so those guys, when, when Spielberg... Let's see here. Uh, Spielberg later recalled that when George Lucas first approached him for Raiders of the Lost Ark three years beforehand, George said, if I directed the first one, then I would have to direct a trilogy eventually. He had three stories in mind, but it turned out that George did not have three stories in mind, and we had to make up the subsequent stories. Both men later attributed the film's tone, Temple of Doom, which was darker than Raiders of the Lost Ark, which, by the way, it is darker, and Raiders of the Lost Ark was about Nazis. Yes. Think about how dark you have to make a movie to be darker than a movie with Nazis as the villain. Uh, The movie was dark because of their personal moods following the breakups of their relationships. In addition, George Lucas felt, quote, it had to have been a dark film. The way Empire Strikes Back was the dark second act of the Star Wars trilogy. Spielberg had said the danger in making a sequel is that you can never truly satisfy everyone. If you give people the same movie with different scenes, people say, why weren't you more original? If you give them the same character in another fantastic adventure but with a different tone, you risk disappointing the other half of the audience. But basically, they went through relationship breakups and created a dark Indiana Jones movie, according to Wikipedia. But I, I believe it also goes on to say that this was the that this was the reason why PG thirteen was invented. Interesting, because they they knew that if you know mom and dad took their six year old kid, six year old kid would freak out. Have bad dreams. <laughs> so true. so I believe the point was that, that they signed off on this being the first film where they actually, with a PG rating, drew an age for yeah. it. So when I was a kid, I do I, I, just to elaborate on what I brought up before, I do remember being genuinely terrified by Molaram reaching into that guy's chest, pulling yeah. his heart out, and then burning him alive. Because I was like 10 when I watched that. Like, what? Yeah. What is this? Um, it's right up there with Ghostbusters 2. Have you guys seen Ghostbusters 2? I think I did at the time. I definitely saw Ghostbusters one of the, in the movie. Dex, no, no, I don't think I have. There's a scene in I Ghostbusters did. two where uh, so Janos is the creepy painter guy who's been essentially taken captive by Vigo, who's the guy in the painting that comes out of the painting, and Janos, the ghost of Janos, in like a with like a carriage, flies up to the ledge of this New York City apartment to steal Sigoni Weaver's baby. And his eyes light up all red in the music. And, like, I just remember as a kid thinking, oh, my God, a ghost is going to come through my window and steal me away. So there were some dark movies that were kind of meant for families but would never be uh, PG back then. So, all right, what what are some other things that stood out to you guys about this movie? Okay, my least favorite character. Can I give you that one? Please do. It's unanimous, right? What's that? It's unanimous, I feel like. Willie. Willie. Yes. It's Willie. Kate Capshaw. Yes. Who, yeah, bu- sure. who, bu- who, by the way, in real life, hooked up with and married Steven Spielberg yep. off that film. She mm. beat uh, out 120 actresses okay. Okay, let's for talk this about, role. To be okay, Steven De- Spielberg's wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dex, help, Dex, help me here. Okay. How? I, like, that character is... Harrison Ford is always going to play... Harrison Ford. Right. It can be in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It can be in Indiana Jones. It can be in a serious film. It can be, he he's can great. be president, right? And you know what? We accept that. And I like him. I, he's sort of self-deprecating. He's, he's great. He's charming. Yeah. How he's did she win the competition? I have, I have she's no idea. She's so annoying. I wanted her to die. She's really wow. the worst. Yeah, it, it doesn't. Who are the other, who are the, some she, of the other candidates? I, I didn't see that part. I didn't, I didn't see the candidates. I was reading her IMDb page, and, oh. it, and, it, and it's like in her bio, like she's most known for her role in Temple of Doom, where she beat out 120 actresses for well, the role. 
And she was playing to me. It's like they said, we need you to play the damsel in distress, this whole film. Yeah. And she took it. It was literally like, in, in my opinion, she was playing a stage play character in the film. Like everything was over the top. If you, it if was you, rough. If yeah. you went to see what she did on Broadway, I think you'd be like, Maybe. I get it. Pretty yeah. good. Not bad. But for that film, everything is so over the top. Also... And it- You can do it. Feel inside. Ooh. You feel inside. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> 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 so, so over the top. Dude. So, so my questions, like within the movie, are: Why did she even go with on the adventure? Like, I've got her, that in my notes. Her. Like, couldn't she have just peeled off once they get out of the club? Like, she's not, they're not after her. Like, she, at the airport. So, yeah, she could have just, once they got to the airport, she could have just peeled off, right? Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I don't understand why she's there. And she, and, and even at the end, so she's not into adventure every step of the way. Like, she won't eat the food. I mean, we'll get to the food. Um, and then at the very end, you know, he basically says, like, oh, on to our next adventure. And she's like, if you think I'm going to go with it, it's like, why, like, okay, okay. Why, why are you even attracted to her? Indiana Jones can get pretty much any woman on the planet. All yep. right. Yep. And and he's choosing to like drag her on these adventures. I don't know. I don't get it. Doesn't like make it. sense. This, like this is eighty four, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is probably before that. It reminded me. Kate Capshaw's character in this movie reminded me of the character of Diane Chambers in Cheers. Okay, Shelley Long, which I think I think Cheers started in eighty two or so. But anyway. In both cases, you're like, you are more trouble than this is worth, and I don't like your character. <laughs> like, you're not fun. You're a killjoy. I don't know why you're here. Like, like, Phil, I've, I've got this in my notes, too. Why is she along? Like, why didn't she bail? And in Cheers, it was sort of like with Diane Chambers. Just go work at a library. Well, and they knew they needed, like, I, I understand... As they're putting the movie together, they clearly need in their minds like a woman, sure. a sort of relationship, like, right? Was there some fun? Could, is there something else they could have done though? Could they have, could they have had Indy meet a woman from the village whose kid was kidnapped or something, and then she comes along? Like, I don't know, Willie. The other one too, short round. Oh, I so he's just a twelve-year-old random kid who drives cars around Shanghai. Yes. What's his deal? Okay, where's his parents? Maybe the most useless sidekick in a film I've ever seen. Too. All he does is call. All he does. He helps like twice, and all he does is call him Mister Jones. But like Uh, Doc, that's or Doctor Jones. Jones. But there's many times where Short Round is useless. He is. He he is. He is the right wing on a line with two good players. Right. 
I am with Judd in that he mostly causes more problems than he fixes, except in the one scene where Short Round, a 12-year-old boy, uses mixed martial arts to take out, like, Ten grown men yeah. with swords. Yeah. <laughs> Did you I see that part? part? Oh, yeah, it's great. It's like roundhouse kicking <laughs> yeah. guys. It's roundhouse. just ridiculous. He's just a really, to me, <laughs> he's just an extra guy I don't need. But, like, if I'm Dr. Jones, I think I'm going solo. Because I don't want Willie oh, there. see what you did there. Han Solo. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you very much. I did not mean to do that. But I don't, I mean, she's useless. He is just sort of a pain. He's always calling my name. He's not doing much. He's worried that he's, I mean, he gets beat up too and tossed or, around. I, I don't but see. But if, if he goes solo, though, he dies. Because someone needs, someone needs to, like, snap okay, him out I get, of the, I the get different. Trance. That's true. I get different people. He needs, he needs some sidekicks. But, yeah, I would say a lounge singer and a 12-year-old are probably you know not what the I do? ideal companions I call Chewy. I call Chewbacca <laughs> on a cell phone, and I get Chewy. Chewy would have been a lot more useful <laughs> oh, with these sure. people. For Absolutely. sure, yep. Okay, the food. <clears throat> so some of the things that were being consumed by Indiana Jones and his friends in this movie, you had assorted bugs, all sorts of different bugs and like bug juices and things like that. You had snake surprise, which is just a gigantic snake that they cut open and more snakes come out of it. Yeah, that's pretty Maybe disgusting. Right? Snakes. Frozen monkey brains, which I did some research on. Apparently, it is somewhat common in China and other parts of the world to eat monkey brains. That is a thing. Do they serve them like they did in this film, which was sort of like the monkey head, and you lifted it off? There was a section of an article that I that I read that there are there are some stories about uh, people eating the brains out of live monkeys mm. somehow. I'm assuming they wouldn't be alive for like long. I'm going to withhold any comments. Yeah. Uh, so that's disgusting. And then uh, eyeball yeah, soup. You. Willie thought, all right, I just want some soup. And yeah. then she goes to dig in and thinks and it's tomato soup. How it's, predictable, it's how predictable was that though? I just want some soup. <laughs> Are there any foods that you guys, and I'm not talking about like frozen monkey brains, but like normal like American foods or like normal foods in the American culture that would get you squeamish? Ooh, squeamish. Like what? I'll eat almost anything. There's only yeah. like two or three things I won't eat, but like li- liver makes me squeamish. Yeah, liver's pretty gross. And I like all fish. I'm trying to think of like something. Sardines make me squeamish. Yeah, not not a big fan. I was going to say, I mean, there's plenty of foods I do. Like, tater tot hot dish is one of the worst things of all time. Oh, like, yeah, get can, off the you show. Can, no, you're you gone. Can, you can take it, my Minnesota card. What? Turn it, turn yeah. your card what did you just say? Tater what are you talking about? Okay, he's asking what? All time. Okay, the, it's, it, it, this is a different segment. So it does repulse wait, me. So you're it does saying, repulse me. All right, so, all right, so let's say you have an option. You show up at this palace. You have an option. Okay. Frozen monkey brains, assorted bugs, snake surprise, eyeball soup, or tater tot hot dish. Might try the soup. <laughs> Unbelievable. I can avoid the eyeballs. How can you be disgusted by tater tots? Tater tots, by their awful, nature, dude. are one of the most delicious things God's ever made. Ah, it's so overrated. I'm with Judd, man. I love it. it. What is it? The green beans? Yeah. I, I, well, I'll no. Take them out. I don't mind. I don't mind green beans. It's just in general, it doesn't taste good to me. It, it's all it, things that are amazing. It's tater tots. It's hamburger. Not, not a big. Tater it's tater cream tater. of mushroom soup. Oh, mushrooms. All right, that, that's one that grossed me out. Mushrooms. I don't like mushrooms. There's cheese. That cheese is fine. Oh man, not, there, not a fan. There's nothing that grosses me. No, like, well, you you wouldn't eat these foods, would you? No, but I'm saying uh, among North American cuisine, there's nothing that would like gross me out to that point. Okay. Um. Oh, hey, hey, one more, just to backtrack for a second. Short round complaint. <laughs> when that moron jumps on the bridge to show it's safe, 
I mean, what the hell are you doing? And then this happens after. Hang on, lady. We're going for a ride. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> what is oh he doing? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is he nuts? <laughs> you know what? He's crazy. Pull around. Prepare to meet Kali in hell. <laughs> oh, put out of Amazing man, he's an archaeologist. He's yeah. an archaeologist yeah. with, with major Badass. fighting skills. Yeah, who? Yeah, exactly right. Who, who at one point is getting the snot kicked out of him? And to me, they didn't shoot the scene to show nearly an, enough pain. Like he's just getting his ass kicked, and it's sort of like, oh, okay, I'm fine. Well, like, I think the whipping, like when he got whipped that bad, I feel like that would have done more damage. That's what I'm and, talking about. Yeah. yeah, the whipping. That would have been but like you got to sell me on that. It would have been harder to just make a physical comeback from that to like be jumping around the next the next day. And or he shows almost no pain. Well, like he's, he's being whipped, and he's like, "I'm fine." He's tough. He's tough. It's not that tough. Um, let's get to the uh, well. Who is you? Who is your favorite character in this movie? I, I, I actually really like Short Round. I think Short Round's great. I have no problem with Short Round. You guys are crapping on Short Round. Oh, Short Round. Short. I don't. Need I'm in the middle round. on Short it's Round. An integral part of the story. My favorite. I, I just love Indiana Jones. I think Indiana Jones. Yeah, he's, is, he's like archaeologist James Bond, basically. Well, he never changes. Harrison Ford does not change, and I like him. Yep, he played a president as Harrison Ford. He played an archaeologist as Harrison Ford. He played a space. I don't know, cowboy. I guess as Harrison Ford. Do you guys have, have you guys ever seen a long scene in a film? That was more geared at clearly creating revenue off a ride for an amusement park than going through the tunnels. It's a great call. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that was, I'm like, for sure. They wrote it this. Genius. They wrote this saying we can sell this to Disney World or something. Yep, that's a, it's a great a, call as a ride. Yep, uh, it's genius. So uh, I'm merchandising. Not, no, I'm not faulting them. I'm, I'm just saying. That went on and on, and there are twists, and there's turns, and there's the water, and there's this and that. And I can totally see, back then, a 14-year-old kid who went to that film, and then the ride opens being like, Mom and Dad, we got to go on this. Yeah. Definitive bad guy rankings. So the bad guy here in question is Molaram. Molaram, Skolaram, pulling hearts out of people's chests, sacrificing innocent people. He's got he's got the uh, the Maharaja put in a trance using a voodoo doll on his opponents. Scared Declan. He's got a potion that turns people into zombies. He's got all kinds of tricks and weapons. Don't like him. So the top bad guys we have reviewed to this point are Hans Gruber, Cyrus the Virus, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, Cobra Kai as a group, and Mr. Joshua uh, from Lethal Weapon, followed by Ivan Drago. Um, we've got uh, the incompetent Russian military at the bottom, the muggers from Death Wish, the French drug lord from Bad Boys. So I don't think he – I think he's in the middle somewhere personally. Like he's definitely more distinguishable than like incompetent uh, Russian military and Gans and Billy Bear. Like he's definitely – He's, he's not more, iconic though. He's more organized than those guys. He's not like Ivan Drago yeah, iconic. He's not iconic uh, bad guy. He's probably like middle to – he's probably like middle two-third to bottom third for me. Would you put him like, like Aliens and Independence Day? Where would you put him compared to the Aliens and Independence Day? Or Le Chiffre from uh, – Casino Royale. I'd put him below Le Chief. Oh, I would put him above Le Chief. This dude was ripping people's hearts out, and he's just generally terrifying. I didn't hate him. Le, Le, Le Chief was just more, um, was this really good at poker? Like, I don't really I understand. didn't hate him. <laughs> and not even that good at poker. Yeah, it really wasn't that great. 
I'm with I'm with Dex on this one. I think I think Molaram Molaram was uh he was articulate, he was evil, yeah, he was conniving, and yeah. he and he did the killings himself. That's fine. I just didn't feel it for him. I don't think what okay, here's another one that's like right in the middle. Dom from Fast and the Furious. I think he's gotta be below Dom. Dom's iconic. Yeah, Dom's Dom's more iconic. He I would he's not as evil, but he's iconic. That's I'd be fine important. with this guy being firmly in the middle of the list. I'm going to put him literally right in the middle. Right there with the, with the rogue CIA agent from uh, The Expendables. He's oh, right, yeah, that's right in the middle. That's, okay. that's absolutely yeah, that's fine. Perfect. That's fair. Right. I just didn't hate him. Our 1 through sort 10 Seagal ranking system, the top movies we have reviewed to this point are Die Hard, John Wick, Commando, The Fast and the Furious, The Expendables, Roadhouse, Hard to Kill, Rocky Four, and Bad Boys, uh, which is tied with Independence Day and Point Break. Where in Bloodsport's the worst one that we have reviewed, which is... Unfortunately, you're still offended by the fact that we hated Bloodsport and it was awful. So one through ten, what's your score, Judd? Four. It's a four. Yeah. It doesn't. Here, here's, here's Phil. I'm sorry. I'm your friend. I hate to do this, (laughs) but I'm going to be brutally honest with you. (laughs) Okay. If nothing else, it doesn't hold up. Like it just doesn't. If if so. The special effects, like, it's perfect for this exercise because it's fun to talk about, poke holes in. Um, So it's actually a perfect film to review. But one, I don't like it that much, and that's a personal taste thing. And two, I don't think that the way that they shot it now, back then it was great, I'm sure, holds up four for me. Dex? It's a four. It's exactly what I wrote down in my notes after last night, too. It just it doesn't hold. Um, I was scared for the majority of this film, to be completely honest, because the voodoo freaks me out. This is an underlying theme <laughs> that I love about Declan. Um, and uh, it, it had some good kills, so like it wasn't a complete disaster. It just it didn't do it for me. Like It was hard to get through it, so it's a four as well. All right. Uh, it's a six for me. It's a six. Oh, that's oh, okay. not. I, I thought you'd be I higher. expected an eight from yeah, you. Too. No, it's, uh, okay. I, I, I can recognize it for what it is. I would watch it again just because to me it's you can just kind of pop it on. I will never watch it again. (laughs) I will never watch it again and I won't watch the rest of the film. I will tell you that uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a legitimately great movie. Yeah, it's really good. It's it's not even like, don't let this alter your eventual viewing of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It did. It did. I won't be watching it. So with that, it's a combined score of 4.7, which makes it the fourth worst action movie that we have reviewed to this point. So the the bottom five is now Bloodsport. Wanted, Rambo 3, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, fourth worst, and Air Force 1. So Harrison Ford showing up twice in the bottom uh, five. I got to admit, in in retrospect, I had forgotten, and I'm a little bit surprised, Air Force 1 is solo. I almost feel like we should... should, Wow. (laughs) Solo. No, but but that's S O L O W for those. I think that, Dex, you didn't do Air Force 1 with us, right? That was Rami and John. I did not, yep. Wow, we really crapped on that film because I did sort of like it. I did too. We should almost have Dex watch it and just re-review it at some point, but maybe 2021. It is what it is. Yeah. Oh, a- yeah, no. Let the chips fall where they may. So, all right, uh, whose turn is it this week? It's mine. Judge. Judd Zolgad. It's mine. Hold on a second. I have, have allowed Keys to pick since oh Keys is back. So Keys is going to hand me oh the selection. There you go. Keys loves the old films, by the way. Yes, he does. Oh, Wow. We are going to do an action movie classic from the 80s, gentlemen. A film we've all seen. I'm guessing Dex has. The 1986 epic film, Top Gun. Wow. Have you seen Top Gun? Is our next film. I haven't seen Top Gun. I've never seen it all the way through. Oh! No! 
No way. We're going to do Top Gun, little Tom Cruise. What? Um, Val Kilmer. Yeah, I've, I've only seen clips of it on like TNT or whatever. I Meg Ryan, right? Yeah, we're going to do Top Gun, 1986. Amazing. So there it is. Action movie rewind. Are we doing, are we on air production meeting? Are we getting Pat on here? Yeah. You can go ahead and to. just grab him right now. And, okay. Uh, and we'll. We'll uh, cheer about the fact that Top Gun is our... Yeah, I've only... I've never seen... Are we still... Uh, oh, I forgot. One thing. What was the quid pro quo in in Indiana Jones of Dan Aykroyd's cameo? I don't know. There's something going on there. Like, he was famous by then. Yeah, he owed some sort of a... Uh, but, I yeah. mean, he was, like, on the tarmac. Yeah, he w- and they didn't even, like, show his face, really. It was, like, no. ba- barely... I think he had a line thing. or two, and well, I'm what, like, that's well, Aykroyd. Yeah, what was the... It's weird because... Like, the, what was the value of it to the movie? But that's what I'm saying. I think he owed somebody an appearance or agreed to do it because there was no value. Let me just Google real quick here. But it was very odd because I thought, oh, he's in this, and then that was it. He, There's got to be a story here. Dan Aykroyd, Temple of Doom. Dan Aykroyd, Temple of Doom. Uh, yeah, he made a small cameo. Hmm. But, I mean, he was... Oh, da- here, the first question is, why is Dan Aykroyd in Temple of Doom? Okay. He sports a must. Turn, turns out he was friends with Spielberg going back... Oh, okay. Yeah, he was just... Oh. So he just he, did that he, as a favor. They, yeah, they just... Uh, but it was really weird, because at first I'm like, Dan Aykroyd's in this film, huh? No, and he was not. Uh, we wrap with Royce three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on the show. And uh, Pat, Josh Donaldson, where does that rank on the most random ejections that you have ever seen watching baseball? Well, uh, you know what? I blame Donaldson. I don't blame a right-ass up he obviously had the umpire miffed at him, and it was an idiotic move by him. He'd already had his revenge on everyone involved with a screaming home run, run across the plate, take your, accept your congratulations, and go to the dugout and shut up. That would be my uh, theory. I know a lot of people are celebrating, and it was great, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, guess what? When they show up at Wrigley today, and they might find that same umpire crew the way they're not. I don't know if that's true, but they're not traveling them around. So you got Angel. He's got a red ass. This little kid, the little kid that they got in the run in the day two days before, and uh, now you got this guy mad at you too. And you know, umpires being the major league umpires being the ethical people that they are, will put the screws to you in a heartbeat. So it was stupid by Donaldson. And, and Pat, b- best part is if these guys made the drive to do the Cubs Twins, Dan Bellino will be the third base umpire today. Yes, I did notice that. Yeah, Donaldson will be there. I, I don't know. Was he ejected when he kicked dirt the first time? I don't think I, he was. So I'm trying to unpack it. I th- around and came back. I think what happened, if I remember the sequence right, so he comes in, he kicks dirt across home plate, and then I think he realized, oh, I'm not sure if I actually touched home plate. So he then goes okay. back to touch home plate, yes. and then at, as he goes back to touch home plate, he gets ejected, because I think the ump but, thought that he was going to kick more dirt on. So then he kicked even more dirt on home plate, or maybe it was that he didn't want to look like an idiot just going back to touch home plate, so he's like, I'm going to kick more dirt on home plate. No, no, I don't think he kicked the dirt until he went back and Touch home plate, but I don't know if the guy said had already said you're gone and hadn't gestured it yet. Uh, because when he turned around, the 
you know, I, I don't know. We didn't, and of course, the great thing about the Zoom era is we didn't get a chance to. Uh, nobody got a oh. chance to ask Donalds or what happened, right? No, that's so, yeah, it drives me crazy. But it it did look. I know Morneau thought he missed home plate and uh, that, that he was running back. But if you're going to do that, if you got any kind of any kind of wits about you, wouldn't uh, have you said, "Oops." Sorry, for the walk back and touched all plate instead of gone back. And uh, by the way, mm-hmm. you go ahead three to two when he hits that home run. They hit a ground ball to shortstop in the hole that Polanco can't make a play on for Abreu. If you're if you're cheating a little bit towards the left and you got Donaldson playing third base instead of that stiff Adrianza, he might make that play. Uh, you know, it, it would have been a hell of a play, but he might make that play. And by the way, he gets another at bat too. People say, "Wow, he didn't lose the game." No, he didn't. But biggest game of the year, and you, we got a you got a chance to come up again in the eighth inning, and you're thrown out again. Yeah. So it's it, so Pat, it, it's dumb and childish, but I will say this: knowing who who Donaldson is as a player. The one thing it wasn't was surprising. Like he, this is the type of stuff he does. He loses it. Yeah, I think if he'd struck out and got thrown out or popped up or something, but uh, what more do you have to do? Uh, you hit his what? What was the exit velocity on that baby? About one twelve. He killed it. And uh, you know, you know, I mean, what? You 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 got a trip to make around the bases. By the time you get the third, you should be pretty happy, shouldn't you? I, I'm just here. I'm just here for Pat to reference exit velocity. Exit that's, velocity. That's why I came no, to the show no, today. I mean, I mean, they're all telling us that, but the ball was yeah. a rocket. You know, back in the day, we could just say a rocket, but somebody else would say, "Well, it was only hit 108 and a half or something." <laughs> anyway, anyway, I don't know. It was. I got to think Rock was disappointed in his uh, team's behavior. He wasn't pleased. Post game yeah. Zoom, he wasn't pleased. He didn't rip him though, did he? Uh, he said he has to stay in the game. Like, like Pat, with Rocco, you gotta, you've gotta basically read between the lines. And and if he says anything about he should stay in the game in Rocco speak, that's ripping him. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, he had to he had to mm. do Rocco's best version of calling out Sergio a few days earlier. Um, you know, I get a kick out of all these people saying. Well, the Twins need this fire. That's what they've been missing. You know, so somehow they lost to the Yankees 13 straight games because they didn't have enough fire. Okay, that was it. Or maybe it was the pitching. That could have been it, too, you rockheads. But uh, anyway, I don't like that matchup tonight, boys. Hendricks is on one of his rolls where he's up. He walked six guys all year or something I read, and... uh, and when he's sharp, he's sharp. And then you got Rich Hill out there throwing that slop up. So uh, uh, that's a, that's not a good matchup uh, tonight. And uh, these, uh, but they're pretty well settled in the second. And the only question now is, will the Yankees pass them or not? So the games are in the Bronx or at Target Field. Yep. Yep, I love how this crazy season, COVID sprint, you got eight <laughs> playoff teams, and inevitably it leads to Twins versus Yankees again. And the Yankees were dead and buried, and basically in New York, can they limp into the playoffs yep. as the as the second wild card was the question? What ten days ago? Now they've won eight in a row, and they hit nineteen home runs and. Three 
three games against Toronto. 40, Patrick, 43 runs, 44 hits, 19 home runs in three games against the Jays. 43 Bring runs. Bring them on. Woo! Bring them on. Bring on the hot Yankees and the Bronx for the best out of three. Let's see how that works out. <laughs> Pat, are the, are the Vikings going to bounce back against the Colts this weekend? You know, I think in retrospect, uh, you know, it, it's certainly fun to get all over them when they stink it out like they did against the Packers. I, has there ever been an opening week more meaningless than this one in NFL history with no exhibition games, with no – I mean, I don't think you can make decisions, right, I mean, on what you what kind of team you had. The Cleveland Browns, I know they're playing – Cincinnati, rebuilding Cincinnati last night. But they looked as pathetic as it's possible to look, and they come back last night. Mayfield looks fine, and they win. I would say that uh, uh, we, we don't really have any valid opinion on the, on the Vikings here. That uh, they just they weren't they weren't good in in a game that's that's that in a game based on. Less pe- preparation than any than any NFL teams have ever had, so I, I think it's really hard to to uh, come up with a verdict. And uh, I, I don't know is the is our is the Colts' offensive line, which was the uh, you know the, the the envy of the NFL, all those young guys, is that intact for this week? Yeah, unfortunately, I think so. Yeah. Because, I mean, Jonathan, I don't think losing Marlon Max a big loss when you have Jonathan Taylor behind you. So I think, once again, it's a challenge for the Vikings' uh, defense, but the offense will move against that uh, that Colts offense. So I would guess the Vikings win and bounce back and not be nearly as rotten as they, uh, as they uh, looked in week one. But if they are, if they get beat again, oof. Who start looking at the schedule here for about six games, and it, it ain't easy. Who wins the U.S. Open? Uh, Captain, Captain, Captain America? John Rahm. Okay. John, John Rahm. Not Tiger Woods. See, uh, he, <laughs> he had five birdies yesterday. He was even par going into 17, and then he bogeys and doubles and... And actually, I think he's gained 24 spots on the lead so far by just not teeing off until 1.30. <laughs> oh, today they toughened it up. I haven't been watching. Yeah, he's. Just, I, I believe he was tied for 71st after yesterday. He's now tied for 47th, and he hasn't teed off yet. Well, they probably got a little wind. They had yeah. no wind yesterday, and the greens were nice and moist. But I talked to Troy Merritt uh, on uh, Wednesday, and he said, eh, if the wind blows, it'll get ugly here. How about this? So Bry- Bryson DeChambeau has played 15 holes so far today. Five pars. <laughs> really? Is he how far over? He's even for the day, but only five pars. But he's looking good. Man, I tell you what, anybody ever sees a urine sample of him, that thing's going to look like the 4th of July. <laughs> F- five bogeys and four birdies. Or excuse me, five bogeys and oh. six birdies. He's, he's, There'll he's be some over. rage there, no question. God. Oh, God. He's, he's a, you know what I don't like about him? I don't mind the size. It's that stiff swing that he's brought into the game that in, that in supposedly mechanically uh, there's a reason for it. But, you know, I don't know. I like a little... I like a little a looseness in a swing, don't you? You like a little, you like a little uh, Scotty Scheffler in your swing. Yeah, anything. 
anything but this. I like Jim Fury compared to yeah. this, for God's sakes. Unbelievable. Yeah, Jim Fury, who shot a 58 two years ago. So you can you can shoot you can shoot in the fifties looking like Jim Furyk. So any who's uh, yeah good good weekend for that. But uh, the Twins, uh, I don't know they, uh, uh, I, you know Cubs Cubs. This is a tough week, man. The Cubs are good. I mean the Cubs pitching is you get you get Hendricks tonight and you on Saturday on Sunday. Oof. Yep. Hey, uh, hey, Roycey, hey, Roycey, can you explain to me why... Uh, How about a little Miko here? How about a little Miko? I got a question for you first. You. Baseball yeah. question. Wait, wait, wait. Why do you have Ostadio pinch hit for Jeffers when you know that he's just going to come up hacking on the first pitch and odds are he's going to fly out? Uh, they must have felt that uh, the young man was overmatched, but uh, if you're looking for a home run to tie the game, I'm going to let Jeffers probably take a swing. You're probably, yeah. uh, thank you. You're probably right about that. I, I don't think. I think uh, we should all enjoy a Willens here for the last uh, few days of the season, and then uh, maybe a swing or two in the in the quick elimination by the Yankees because I, I think I think we're seeing it wind down here. The, uh, the the turtle uh, the turtle era I think is coming to an end. It's been fun, very sad, fun. Yeah, we'll do our Miko tribute on Monday too. You're you're gonna miss, miss those Miko quotes, Judd. But at least you got Brodine for seven years to light up the notebook. Oh, he he and Spurgeon will take care of things easily. <laughs> I mean, everybody works hard. It's a team effort. Oh yeah, yeah. Pucks deep, Pat. Pucks deep. That's key to life. Is uh, somebody gonna sign Miko? Uh Finland probably. I, I bet he goes home. No, I'm serious. I, I think he's good. If he wants to continue playing, my, my guess is he just goes home. I think the last year he played there, he scored four goals. So maybe he's uh, maybe he can do better than that next time. So I think that's it. <laughs> All right. Okay. See you, Pat. All right. See you, Roycey. Bye. All right, that's uh, wrapping with Roycey. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Fridays. You can also find Roycey Unchained long-form Roycey takes with Judd on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed every Monday. you got some golf, huh, Phil, next couple days? I'm actually uh, like... Major? I'm actually sort of sweating what to do on Sunday. because like Obviously, we're going to be watching the Vikings game and doing Ventline, mm-hmm. but I want to watch Sunday of the U.S. Open. I want to watch the Twins. I want to watch the no, NBA. Twins are Sunday night now. That's right. Twins are Sunday night, so we're good on that. You're good there. Sunday okay. night baseball. Yeah. So you're, so you're fine there. So it becomes it's between golf and football. So this is it's not a hard one for me. The US Open's great in that they just make it impossible for these guys. Like this guy's chipping. This guy just chipped from the other side of the green because there's too many <laughs> things. Rolls it back. It's amazing. Yeah, but they still they still make shots that are incredible. All right. That's a wrap on this episode of Mackie and Judd and Go uh, Short you can Round. Vent line Go Willie Sunday right after the game. Oh my god. Skull Willie. Short round. Who are you? Wow, holy smoke! Class landing! Short round. Step on it. Okie dokie, Dr. Joe's hole in your potatoes. Right, I'm not as a kid driving the car.